SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Count them. One, two, three. The third hour of the morning after the threes are up here in the air. Why? Because it is happy hour here on TMA on SportsGrid, Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all across the SportsGrid network. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. Our third and final hour each and every weekday is, in fact, a very happy hour. Yes, even on Monday mornings. Yes, certainly on Tuesday and Wednesday now, as we get closer to the weekend, yeah, even more so on Thursday. Just wait till a football Friday happy hour tomorrow. But right now on this Thursday, a great guest list for you in this third and final hour. Scott Farrell joins us next. Yes, that's Scott Farrell, the one and only, the legendary Scott Farrell, the host of Farrell Coast to Coast each and every weekday right here on the grid. We'll talk about his Pittsburgh Steelers in action tonight on Thursday night. Then Brian Fonseca from FanDuel joins us after that to focus a little bit on the action in the association. Then New York, New York, as Frank Sinatra would like to say, but it will be John Yastrzemski saying that. We focus on some of the New York teams in action this weekend, both in the NFL and some action around the NBA. JJ joins us to round out hour number three before we give you our bye-bye-bye best bet for this Thursday to round out the morning after on this Thursday. So we begin here in this third and final hour with our West Coast wake up, welcoming in our West Coast audience and some news to bring you out of the NFL. We got some reports yesterday that the Los Angeles Chargers are dealing with some COVID issues, both placing Mike Williams and cornerback Chris Harris Jr. on the COVID-19 reserve list this following a positive test from Keenan Allen earlier in the week. Neither of these three gentlemen have been ruled out necessarily for Sunday's contest against the New York Giants, but things to know as you approach this handicapping. And this news has at least slightly affected the line for Sunday's contest. The Chargers opened up in this game as a 10.5 point favorite. The line has dropped to 9.5 in LA's favor, moving down and working in the Giants' favor by a full point. The over-under total also opened at 45.5. It has now come down by a full 2.5 points. 43 right now live on the FanDuel Sportsbook. So as you approach this game, the Chargers as a favorite this year have not been good. Let's just call a spade a spade. Just 2-5 and five against the spread, not covering by an average margin of 4.1 points per game. They haven't even been more than a touchdown favorite all year long. So this will certainly be the biggest spread in LA's favor, even if it comes down a little bit but stays above a touchdown and when they were their biggest spread of the year in their favor a six and a half point favorite against the Pittsburgh Steelers a couple of Sunday night football games ago they got tested in that game ultimately winning but not covering that six and a half point spread against the Steelers meanwhile the Giants as an underdog in a very familiar scenario they have been an underdog in 11 of the 12 games so far this year six and five against the spread in those 11 games booked as a dog covering in four of their last six games so even as the Giants struggle a little bit in outright wins they have been good above 500 against the spread as an underdog this year and they have been double digit underdogs twice so far competitive against the Kansas City Chiefs covering in that number a couple of weeks ago not covering 
just a few weeks ago as a double-digit dog as well. So, also, look at that total. It's already come down by two and a half points. Could that be some of the concern around the Chargers? Who exactly Justin Herbert will have offensively as we welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience here. The third and final very happy hour of the morning after on this Thursday. Sirius XM, Channel 159, the mightier 1090 out on the West Coast. This is our West Coast wake-up portion of the morning after. And I am your host, Ben Stevens. So the total for the Chargers and the Giants has come down by two and a half points on Sunday to now 43 live for an over-under on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Could that be coming down because the Chargers might not be with some of their offensive weapons on Sunday afternoon? Or could it be because the Giants also have some serious offensive issues as things stand? Most likely no Daniel Jones and no Mike Lennon in concussion protocol. Could it then be Jake Fromm, the former Georgia quarterback, making the start for the New York Giants? So the total has come down tremendously, and it makes sense even just based off trends. The Giants have played six straight unders this will be the lowest total of the year for los angeles they have gone over in four of their last six games and now this the lowest total at 43 most of the chargers totals have been booked in the 50s so far this season and again a big game for los angeles because they are minus 330 right now in the FanDuel sportsbook to make the afc postseason but as it stands that will be earning one of the AFC wildcard spots because as you look at the AFC divisional market, it's the Chiefs once again as the heavy odds-on favorite to win the AFC West right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The Chiefs minus 200, the Chargers plus 190, the second shortest odds. It wasn't all that long ago, maybe about a month and a half ago, the Chiefs were in plus money and the Chargers were a minus money favorite to win the AFC West. But now the Chiefs have won five straight games. They have covered in three straight. They have a divisional matchup at home on Sunday against the Las Vegas Raiders. The Chargers are in this spot contending for an AFC wildcard spot, but still very, very good odds to make the postseason at minus 330. They were minus 128 entering last Sunday's game against the Cincinnati Bengals. LA goes on the road to Cincinnati and gets an outright win as a three-point underdog. They will be, as of right now, a nine-and-a-half-point favorite against the New York Giants at home in SoFi on Sunday afternoon. All part of NFL Week 14. That begins tonight, a Thursday night in Minnesota. The Vikings and the Steelers. Scott Farrell joins us next to talk about Pittsburgh. That's coming up here next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on the morning after on Sports Grid Sirius XM, Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. Very pleased to welcome on a great member of this Sports Grid family. Scott Farrell, the one and only. He hosts Farrell Coast to Coast each and every weekday right here on the grid, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time to get you set for everything you need to know in the world of sports. They have a great time on that show. And we are very pleased to have Scott Farrell on with us right now. Scott, thank you for joining us here Early on a Thursday, I know you just finished playing some ball, getting ready for your Thursday. We're glad to have you here on TMA. Big Ten Ben, my man. So I had, uh, like, at my age, honestly, 
uh, at 56 that I still ball is one thing. But to drop an 8-9-8 eight, eight, uh, line last night in a game, a uh, usually I average about 15, but I didn't get that. I got guys on my team that dunk, hang on the rim, tomahawk slams. I got young brothers that are 24 flying through the air. I got 30-year-olds that played at Rutgers hang on the rim with their onions in their face. So for me to get a, a line like that and have that many dimes and rebounds, I felt like Rodman. And essentially, when I saw my line, I felt that uh, – Carmen Electra should bang me. I mean, at that point, I thought she should bang me based on that stat line at my age. I mean, that I'm dealing, dishing like Sabonis' father and grabbing rips and still finger rolling, you know, some buckets in there. And we win by 53 and the Pharrell ballers are undefeated. I woke up with an 18-wheeler. If you know what I'm saying, Ben. (laughs) Scott, I do follow what you are putting down right here. If Scott Farrell is not available for his next game, somebody go to Las Vegas to check for any hotel rooms on the strip. At least that's where they found Dennis Rodman back in the 90s. It's so, true. Scott, tonight, Thursday night football begins NFL week number 14. You are a huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan, and your Steelers are getting three points on the road against Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. What do you make of this matchup on a short week for Pittsburgh on Thursday night? Well... I got to tell you, Ben, I was at the uh, Ravens game Sunday at the ketchup bottle. It was insane. Uh, What a scene. I got footage to prove it. I think I played some of it on the radio show the other night on YouTube uh, TV with the uh, broadcast. Uh, Illegally, I might add, I did that all. uh, I I caused trouble just for the fun of it. But anyway, when they stopped him on the two-point conversion, I couldn't believe it. It was right where I see, uh, like in the in the season tickets that I have, I chill right there in the end zone. I'm 10 rows from the field. I can touch the players. And that play was right in my face. Uh, a couple things. Lamar's, a, a, like, he is a grease lightning. Greatest uh, escape artist since Fran Tarkington. This guy is unbelievable in trouble in the pocket. The way he gets out of jams and creates and does something always. Getting rid of the ball, la-di-da. I've never seen anything like it. He's fun to watch. He's worth paying to watch play football. But a couple things. Steelers suck, okay, for one. And they don't do anything except lose after they win. They don't win on the road. I mean, they are awful. They gave up 40-plus at SoFi. They gave up 40-plus in the jungle. Uh, They lose games like to the Raiders. Uh, They tie the Lions. That's like waking up with a fat chick. I mean, it really is. When you go to the game and you tie the Lions – You wake up with a fat chick, your wallet's gone, and someone has drugged you. So here's the deal. I've seen him play terribly after wins. Ben played great in the fourth quarter. T.J. Watt's a badass. The defense was sick. They were on the field the entire game, and they won that game because of T.J. Watt. The defense, High Smith, uh, I thought they made all the plays that mattered. And I thought Deontay uh, Johnson should have caught the touchdown pass, a beautiful bomb from Ben. He dropped it. Boswell misses the extra point. You do those two things in a game, you deserve to lose, right? But then he catches the game winner, and they escape and get the win. They're 6-5-1. and one. They can't afford another loss, but they are going to have more losses. They're going to lose to Kansas City. They're going to lose tonight at U.S. Bank. I think the Vikings stink, Ben. They're just as bad as the Steelers, but Cousins will cause problems for them. Watch out for Dalvin Cook. I was told yesterday, whenever he's injured with that shoulder – and he gets hit, he fumbles. He's going to play tonight, probably going to fumble. So uh, mm-hmm. if they can beat Aaron Rodgers at the bank, 
by three. You don't think they can beat the Steelers who run the ball up the middle with Najee Harris on every single play? I mean, Canada, oh, Canada, they should fire his ass now. I swear to God, my mother-in-law is 90. Her offense is more creative than that hack-ass offensive coordinator they got. They are boring as hell. If they win tonight, I might cable in my pants. I won't even believe it if they win tonight because they're so awful. But I am going to the Titan game at Christmas. I spend about 25 to three grand every time I go there, eating, partying, hotels, Ubers, hookers, strippers. I got it all going, Ben. You can guarantee I got it all going. Woo! I thought we were going to have to wake up Scott Farrell on this Thursday morning, but no, he is here ready to play on the morning after on this Thursday. Scott Farrell, the host of Farrell Coast to Coast each and every weekday right here on the grid, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time. So Scott, you mentioned it. Pittsburgh hasn't been great on the road, but very good as an underdog this year. Five and two against the number, winning four of those five games outright. But tonight, you think Minnesota, who has not been great as a favorite, can cover even though they're just one and four against the spread tonight on Thursday. Well, first of all, I think that the fact that Mike Zimmer's tapping that supermodel and I saw her today, I think that is the most fantastic thing that I've seen during the holiday season. And when I caught Santa Claus tapping my wife last year, I was done with him too. I'm done with that fat Santa Claus guy with all of his mischievous ways and dirty tricks, cookies and milk and sleeping with my wife. I've had it with all those people. But look, Jefferson's a badass. They got no Thielen. That's a concern for me. It is amazing to me. I said this to uh, the Coast to Coast audience, and I had Jim Suhan on from the Star Trip the other day, that they have literally, I mean literally, since Bud Grant and the four trips to the Super Bowl, they have literally done absolutely nothing ever. That franchise has never won anything ever. It is amazing to me with the talent, the money they've spent, their billion-dollar stadium, their rabid fans, that they suck as bad as they do. They give all this money to Kirk Cousins. He has never done a thing. He's never done a thing in Michigan State. He's never done a thing in the NFL. But he makes more money than God. If they can't beat the Steelers tonight in Minneapolis, I hope they all have the crappiest Christmas ever. But I'll be rooting for the Steelers because the Steelers is a way of life. Even though I saw a chick fight leaving Heinz Field the other night, two fat chicks fighting outside the stadium was almost as good as the game. But someone said to me, Pharrell, I heard you were picking up hot chicks in Pittsburgh over the weekend in fancy restaurants. I said, I do not sleep with chicks from Pittsburgh because they all have beards. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe from a you're breaking down the not only the trend perspective of Thursday night football, but lending some good advice there. So, Scott, let me finish by asking you this: only about 45 seconds left. Pittsburgh plus 360 to make the AFC postseason right now on FanDuel. Do you give the Steelers a shot of being an AFC wildcard team? I, they have no shot in hell of being in the NFL playoffs. They're not good enough. They're not consistent enough. Ben is slower than molasses. I mean, he is some man in the pocket. He looked great on Sunday in the fourth quarter. I'll give him that. But they won that game with defense. They don't win enough to earn a wild card, in my opinion. They will not get there. 
I'm not uh, against Tomlin at all. I love him. They're not going to fire Mike Tomlin. All the Steelers fans that think they're firing him, they're all stupid people anyway, so we don't listen to them. All right, good advice. And, hey, maybe you being there on Christmas weekend in Heinz Field against the Tennessee Titans will prove to be at least one win for Pittsburgh here down the stretch. Scott Farrell, the one, the, the only. Catch him, each, catch him each and every weekday. Farrell coast to coast right here on the grid, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Scott, thank you so much. Great stat line last night. Way to fill up the scoreboard. Thanks a lot. And I'm hoping to get arrested in that uh, final trip to Heinz Field. I might go to the Browns game in January if I'm not in prison. All right, always makes sense. More of the morning after, up next. All right, Big Ten, Ben. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning after on SportsGrid Sirius XM, channel 159 and all across the SportsGrid network. I am Ben Stevens. Not sure how we're going to follow up Scott Farrell bringing the heat on a Thursday morning, but I think we got the guy just in place to do so. As we transition from the NFL to more of an NBA focus right now, it's FanDuel's Brian Fonseca joining us here on a Thursday. Brian was in the guest waiting room listening to Scott speak before he came on, so he's reared up. And ready to go as well. Brian, thank you for joining us here on a Thursday. This is, the of the appearances I've had so far in this program, this is the one that comes with the most pressure because of what Scott yeah. just did uh, moments prior. But look, I'm happy to be here. I just wish, uh, just wish it was, a, a, you know, not as much pressure to sort of deliver on this one. But we'll see what we can do. Brian, you don't need to make the analogies when you're breaking down the NBA that Scott uses to break down the NFL and specifically Thursday night football. We'll keep it a little bit more tame here, maybe. Who knows? All right, let's get into looking back at last night on a Wednesday. A great game in the Eastern Conference, even without Jimmy Butler. The Miami Heat prevailing as a six-and-a-half-point underdog outright, beating the Milwaukee Bucks. Brian, you have covered the Miami Heat. You have been following them all season long. What did you make of the performance last night out of the Heat to get that upset victory? Without Jimmy Butler and without Bam Adebayo, and also without Markeith Morris, who still is out because of the Nikola Jokic, uh, you know, body body blow from uh, you know several weeks ago, it was a tremendous win for Miami last night. It was the first loss that the Bucks have had without, well, with their big three rather, Drew Holiday, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Chris Middleton, and it was to a team again without their two biggest stars, without Tyler Hero playing very well. He actually didn't play much in the fourth quarter or at all in the fourth quarter. He wasn't part of the closing lineup. Duncan Robinson, who continues to lose minutes because of his lack of productivity, did not close either. You saw big efforts from two-way contracted player Caleb Martin, uh, you know, product of Nevada, and is somebody mm -hmm. who was on the Charlotte Hornets last year and mysteriously just was available for a two-way contract, but he scooped him up, and it looks like he's going to earn a regular rotation spot. Like, he's somebody who had a career-high 28 points, 9 of 12 shooting, 6 of 8 from 3, and he hadn't made more than two three-pointers in a game until this. Um, and he brought up his three-point percentage from 31 to 38% just off this one performance. And then you saw big efforts from guys like KZ Akpala. P.J. Tucker was phenomenal. 
And this is one of those where you can actually back it up with the stats. And PJ Tucker is not always that kind of guy. You have to watch and really gauge his impact. 15.7 rebounds, eight assists, but also was primarily the reason Giannis Antetokounmpo never got going from the field. Giannis was four for 13 shooting, didn't even break 20 points last night. P.J. Tucker was a big, big reason for that. His offensive rating, by the way, Giannis's was just an 87. And you got to give your hat off to Kyle Lowry, who had 22 and 13 and hit big, big shots in the second half after struggling in the first. He earned his money, stepped up when they needed him to. And look, that's what you pay him all that money for. He's making $30 million a year, and he has to step up when Jimmy and Bam are not in there. And he hasn't quite done that to the, you know, to the volume in which you want him to. He's been moving the ball well, but he hasn't been hitting, you know, that three-point shot. Well, he did that last night. He did that when it counted. He did that when it mattered. And it helped beat one of the best teams in the NBA on your home floor. Brian, when you talk about what Caleb Martin did last night, a career-high 28 points for the stud out of Nevada. So a big win for Miami. They have the best record against the spread as an underdog this year, 7-1 ATS covering by more than 10 points per game. If you see the Heat as an underdog, maybe not even get the points. Sprinkle on that money line as well. So, Brian, not the biggest slate of action tonight, but the Philadelphia 76ers on the second leg of a back-to-back host the Utah Jazz out in the city of brotherly love. Philly, a three-point home underdog. Joel Embiid has been so good here as of late in this six-game span since returning from injury and back to the Sixers lineup. What do you make of this matchup tonight between Utah and Philadelphia? It's funny because you mentioned that the games aren't like that great tonight. And I think the NBA has just been running scared all season on Thursdays because they don't want to go up head to head with Thursday night football. So I'm looking forward to when we get to the NFL playoffs and we can start getting TNT, you know, Thursday night games again and really good ones. But that being said, Uh, I'm always looking forward to a Joel Embiid-Rudy Gobert matchup, and we're going to get that tonight. Although, you know, one-on-one basketball isn't what it was previously, where guys are, you know, trying to play within the scheme more. And while that's smarter, that's probably not as entertaining for fans. Uh, But I am looking forward to that. Both both teams, rather, are coming off a back-to-back, or are are in the second of a back-to-back, rather. The Jazz just beat Minnesota by 32 points. And Anthony Edwards is calling out Rudy Gobert, saying he doesn't put fear in his heart, even though he missed layups around him. Patrick Beverly is calling out Rudy Gobert for not guarding Carl Anthony Towns one-on-one for the duration of the contest. And I'm not this Rudy, this pro-Rudy Gobert, like, I love Rudy Gobert and think that he should have been an MVP candidate like some people did, taking the advanced analytics too far. Um, I do, you know, I do think that he is a very good defensive player, but I think that it's just weird that Minnesota is calling him out uh, after losing by so many damn points. But regardless, uh, Donovan Mitchell's been great lately. Uh, f- four straight games, 30 points and more. 58, 43, 94 shooting splits over that stretch. Donovan Mitchell's been excellent. Mm. Um, he is, you know, going to be an MVP candidate if, you know, Utah can keep their record as being, you know, one of the best in the Western Conference. He's going to get some uh, some others receiving votes. And Joel Embiid, since coming back from COVID, 29, 13, and 5, almost two blocks a game. Includes back-to-back stretch where he shot 7 of 33 from the field, and he's still putting up those kind of numbers. You know, he had a 40-point game not too long ago. So I'm looking forward to this one. I'm actually going to take the Sixers at home. I think that, uh, you know, the Jazz, you know, they they went crazy last night against Minnesota. But, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with the Sixers. I think that they're starting to, you know, maybe pick it up a little bit now that Joel Embiid is back and, I think that Joel Embiid is in line for a big game as he has had against Rudy Gobert in the past. So, 
Yeah, I also liked Ant last night talking about Cat himself being like, listen, Carl Anthony Towns is our guy. He needs to be a little bit more forceful in how he tries to take over a game as well. And you have the rookie, or the second-year player, rather, talking about the fifth-year player trying to add that motivation. Anthony Edwards, always a great soundbite in post-game press conferences across an NBA season. Also on the road tonight, the Los Angeles Lakers laying four points in the grind city against the Memphis Grizzlies. The Memphis Grizzlies have been pretty good, even without John Morant. The Lakers laying four. They have not been great at covering numbers, but they did just a couple of nights ago in the old-school rivalry at home against the Boston Celtics. Lakers on the road laying four. Brian, can they cover this number again against Memphis? I do. I do. Uh, Memphis is also coming off a – or is also in the middle of a back-to-back. Five-game winning streak snapped against Dallas last night. Uh, they've been very good without John Morant in totality, right? Like, Jaron Jackson Jr., who I talked about earlier this year struggling with the shot, is somebody who's shooting better now, right? And he's been more consistent with his jumper, but he's also just defending real well. And there's a primary reason that they've been good defensively as of late. Desmond Bain has been really good, you know, playing that two spot. Um, Dylan Brooks is back now, and he had a pretty good game last night, though, you know, still kind of struggling with the efficiency of his shooting. But Dylan Brooks is out there, and that helps after missing the early portion of the season. Uh, back to Jaron Jackson Jr. Still want him to rebound more than five and a half rebounds per game or whatever it is right now at this point as someone at his height, but he still is defending very well and is switchable and, you know, blocking a lot of shots. Like if you look at some of the advanced metrics, he's up there in some of these categories in terms of like block percentage and things of that nature. So he's been doing real well there. But I, I do, I am going to roll with the Lakers here. They are not in the middle of a back-to-back. They've won three out of four. They still haven't quite hit that gear, though I think that we're probably going to start seeing them pick up so long as LeBron remains healthy. One of my concerns is that LeBron has been averaging over 40 minutes per game uh, through his last five, uh, averaging 31-7 to 6 during that stretch on almost 50% shooting. But at the same time, you know, you don't want to ask too much of LeBron in that way. Uh, Anthony Davis still hasn't really hit that gear that I'm waiting for. He's been better. At 17 and 16 rebounds last uh, last game they played against the Celtics. Only shooting 19% from three, and I don't think of him as a three-point shooter, but I think of him as better than a 19% three-point shooter. Um, and Carmelo Anthony, he, you know, got off to a really good start this year by the standards that we put Melo at at this point of his career, which, you know, it is what it is at this point. But 11 points per game in his last seven, shooting only 34% from the field and 28% from three. So... You know, they need to get more out of him. They need to get more out of Taylor Horton Tucker, who I'm not sure where he quite fits right now. I think that people thought it was going to be a little more seamless than it has been. And Malik Monk has been playing better lately. I would like to see more uh, out of him if, you know, Melo and and Taylor Horton Tucker in particular are not going to really come through in those minutes. So, you know, more Malik Monk wouldn't be a bad thing if he's coming through the way he has been lately. The Lakers, a four-point favorite, the worst ATS record as of right now in the NBA. Just 9-16 and 16 against the number, but starting to play a little bit of better basketball. Quickly here, Brian, we saw Steph yes. Curry hoist up 17 threes last night in his pursuit <laughs> of setting the new NBA record to be the most made three-pointers in the history of the NBA. Philadelphia on Saturday, then they go to Indiana on Monday, and then here... Madison Square Garden, not too far behind us on Tuesday. When do you think Steph breaks the record? 
I think it'll be Indiana, but I hope it's I hope it's New York. As a New Yorker, as right. you know, somebody else who's based in New York, like yes, you want to see that broken at the Garden. You know, it's still Madison Square Garden at the end of the day, and that's where Steph had like his first signature performance some years ago with a fifty-five point game or whatever it was. So that that is definitely where I would like to see it, and uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully he's a little cold until then, so that we can see it there. Yeah. Hey, maybe in maybe against the Pacers, they rest him on the first leg of a back-to-back, and he does it in the Garden. Brian Fonseca from FanDuel. And is NBA Focus giving you that expertise here on a Thursday? Brian, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Thank you for having me again. Of course. More of the morning after. Up next here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on the morning after on Sports Grid Sirius XM, channel 159, the new home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. And all across the Sports Grid Network, I'm your host, Ben Stevens. Thursday night football begins week number 14. Tonight in Minneapolis, the Twin Cities, as it is known, Minnesota, the Vikings hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Vikings, a three point home favorite as of right now. The over under total is 43. In a hook, it is dropped from an opener around 45 to 43 and a half. I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I think it is worth repeating. There are trends in the NFL and in any sports handicapping you might venture into. And then there are really, really strong trends that are hearing hitting at near 100% of the time. That's almost what we have here for unders on short weeks on Thursday NFL games. 11 of the last 13 NFL Thursday games, and yes, that includes the three games on Thanksgiving. 11 of the last 13 NFL Thursday games have hit the under. Now, Minnesota has played seven of their 12 games to an over this year, and we know the struggles Pittsburgh has had offensively, but 11 of 13 of the last 13 on a Thursday in the NFL have hit the under. Things you need to know before you dive into potentially thinking an over of a small number at 43 and a hook would be the play tonight. I believe that we have John Yastrzemski joining us now here on the morning after on SportsGrid. John Yastrzemski is the host of the New York, New York podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network, working for the Ringer and breaking it down from a New York sports perspective. So, John, we'll put Thursday night football to the side for right now. Thank you for joining us here on the morning after on this Thursday. Guys, my pleasure. I'm from uh, beautiful Pompano Beach in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So it, it beats oh. freezing rain and wind, but I know it's going to get nice in New York over the weekend. So uh, there's that. But I'm uh, I'm basking in the glory of this, guys, and looking to nail a couple of winners here for this uh, weekend slate of NFL action. JJ, we see the grid up there right now that you have on this phoner board, and we only imagine palm trees and the beach behind you down there in Florida. So thank you for joining us here on the morning after right now. So let's start with some of those New York teams, and then we'll get some of your feeling around the NFL for week number 14. Let's begin with the New York Giants, who are booked as a nine-and-a-half-point underdog right now on the road in Los Angeles. The Chargers are having some COVID concerns 
offensively heading into this week. The Giants have been an underdog 11 of their 12 games so far this season. How do you break down that matchup on Sunday between New York and L.A.? A lot of uncertainty there, Ben. A lot of uncertainty with the quarterback position for the Giants. Still waiting to hear officially if Mike Glennon's going to give it a go. The Chargers, you're trying to figure out who's playing with all the COVID stuff. Is Mike Williams going to be out there? Is Keenan Allen going to be out there? My initial reaction is that you never lay nine and a half points with the L.A. Chargers. You just don't. They're one of those teams that is never good in these sort of situations. I'm not suggesting the Giants are going to win this game outright. They're not. But if I had a wager on this game, and it's not going to be one of my five super contest plays of the week, if I had a wager on this game, I think the Giants are the right side. They're spunky defensively. Um, I think their defense will keep them in the game. I think it will be ugly like most Giant games are. I was in Miami for the Dolphin game, another ugly game that the Giants played. Think under in this game. Think Giants to cover the number. And the total has certainly worked down from 45 and a hook at an opener right now, JJ, to 43 live on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The Jets, also an underdog this weekend, but at home in MetLife, getting five and a half points against the New Orleans Saints. The Jets have the second worst ATS record in the NFL at just three in nine against the number. JJ, can that change at home in MetLife against the Saints on Sunday? Yes, I think specifically from a money line standpoint, because of the struggles of the New Orleans Saints offense, not knowing if it's going to be Taysom Hill or Trevor Simeon and what that breakdown of quarterback is going to be, I like New Orleans here. I don't trust the Jets. I'm sorry. Their defense got absolutely torched by Gardner Minshew. New Orleans has extra time to prepare for this game. New Orleans desperately needs this game if they're going to stay afloat with believe we're having some audio technical issues. Maybe the breezes picking up in Florida right now through the palm trees. But as JJ was alluding to, the Saints need to start compiling some victories right now when you look at the NFC postseason market on the FanDuel Sportsbook and where New Orleans is in the hunt for that NFC wildcard spot. I just want to pull up the latest odds here for the New Orleans Saints and their make playoff odds. Plus 320 now, just a couple of weeks ago. They were in minus money, a team that seemed destined to make the postseason, but they have been struggling here as of late. They have lost five straight games, of course, coming off that Thursday night loss last week against the Dallas Cowboys. I believe John Yastrzemski has joined us once again. John, you were talking about the Saints and the motivational factor for this Sunday on the road in the New Jersey area against the New York Jets, even laying five and a half points. That's where you would be leaning this weekend if you had a pick in the game. Yeah, that's correct. I just think New Orleans needs the game a lot more. The Jets are just way too big of a mess defensively to trust in here. Got torched by Gardner Minshew. I think it's a get-right game for the Saints. I'd play the five. I would. JJ, are you concerned at all by the New York Jets in this first year under new head coach Robert Sala and the rookie quarterback Zach Wilson, or do you still think there are things to be optimistic about moving forward for the Jets? Hasn't been a great year. Um, the Jets got to get more talent on the team. That'll be the proper gauge of what exactly you have with this head coach. Um, but the Jets don't strike me as a team that's getting better as the season goes along. I think it's all about the quarterback, though, Ben. 
and how he progresses and how he looks over the next couple weeks, that to me is going to be like the telltale sign of how exactly you feel, good or bad, going into this offseason if Wilson looks the part. Yeah, absolutely so. Zach Wilson can do things with his arm that not many in the NFL can, but have been some questionable decision-makings at times this year as well. So you mentioned the Super Contest, five of your best plays for this NFL weekend. JJ, what game stands out to you the most for the NFL Week number 14 slate? It's a great question. Um, To me, San Francisco, who is favored Mm -hmm. against Cincinnati, I saw that line that jumped off the page at me. I love San Francisco in this game. They're coming off a loss. I think there's some regression to the mean for the Cincinnati Bengals. So that was a game I had immediately circled. I'll give you another one. Why, why are the Browns favored this week? I know the Ravens have no corners. All of a sudden now we're trusting the Cleveland Browns based upon what exactly? So uh, Baltimore and San Francisco are two of the early headliners uh, for my week 14 card or whatever week it is. I think it's week 14. Uh, it's got to be finalized like by the end of the day today or tomorrow. So right now, San Francisco and Baltimore are two of the very strong leans. The other one I really like, I like the idea of getting points with the Rams. I think the Rams are beating the Cardinals. I think it's a good spot for them. I think it's a statement spot for them. I'm going to be on the Rams on Monday night. And that game could be a huge game on Monday for the Rams in their hopes of still having a shot at the NFC West division. They have played the Cardinals already once this year. Arizona won that game. If the Rams can win, that would do a lot for their playoff hopes in the NFC, specifically that division. And JJ, the two games you brought up, by the way, the two lines that stand out most to me, the Niners actually have flipped to the favorite. They opened as a one and a half point dog on the road in Cincinnati. I was expecting to see more line movement, maybe even a flip in the Ravens' favor, but in fact, the line has worked against them. It opened at one and a half in Cleveland's favor, and now the Browns favored by two and a half points like you, JJ. It makes absolutely no sense to me why the Cleveland Browns, two and four against the number, are favored so far this year when booked as a favorite. I like the Ravens, who have won both of their games when booked as a dog outright so far this year. Two games that certainly stand out for this NFL week number 14 slate. As we flip it over to the NBA here to get a quick check on the New York teams, the Brooklyn Nets on the road last night in Texas, lose to the Houston Rockets. They played without KD. It was the second leg of a back-to-back, and the Rockets are actually a really good team right now, at least as of late. They have won seven straight games. But, JJ, all year long, the Nets have been the favorite to win the East, the substantial favorite still to win the NBA championship, plus 260 as the favorites on the FanDuel Sportsbook. What have you made of the start to this season for the Nets? Well, it's this narrative of getting Kyrie Irving back. Uh, Obviously, Kevin Durant's a stud. I think it's been a very uneven year for James Harden. Um, Patty Mills has been a godsend for them. Uh, I don't think they're 10-11 games over 500 without bringing him in in the offseason. I would not take that action. Milwaukee would beat him at this point in time. That could change. Kyrie comes back. Brooklyn makes a big move at some point that kind of changes the fabric and the dynamic of their team. But what I've seen from them so far this season, Ben, is that they've been really good against bad teams when they have taken it up a notch in competition. Warriors game comes to mind. A couple other games come to mind. Milwaukee, um, they have not been up to the challenge. They've gotten their doors blown off in a couple of these games. So I, I need to see a little more here from Brooklyn, but very, very early. 
very, very early. Haven't even hit Christmas yet in the NBA season. So basically, as long as you don't have any catastrophic injuries, you're right exactly where you need to be. Yeah, that pretty short plus price at plus 145 on the Nets to win the East, plus 260 to win the whole thing, does strike me as Kyrie Irving is taken into account when booking those prices. The New York Knicks also on the road last night, faltering against the Pacers, losing by 20 points. JJ, so far this year, it's been a mixed bag at times for the Knicks. What have you made of the start to the year for the Knickerbockers to begin this NBA season? Yeah, it's been uneven. You know, that's really the best way to look at it. It's been very uneven from a Knicks standpoint. Um, they clearly are lacking light talent. Randall's taking a step back. Barrett has not been as good as I thought he was going to be, even though he was terrific on Tuesday night. And the moves they made in the offseason, let's be honest, they really didn't work out. Fournier has not given the Knicks much. Uh, Kemba Walker is basically out of the rotation. I think the Knicks are going to be right on that cut line for the postseason. Uh, I hope that they play better basketball from my sanity and my standpoint. Um, but this <laughs> does not come anywhere close to being a top four team like we saw last year. Don't expect that to be the case for the Knicks. The Knicks were not great at the Garden so far this season. Neither were the Syracuse Orange, JJ, on Tuesday night against Villanova. Both of us proud Syracuse alums, and Syracuse had a halftime lead, end up losing to Villanova by 14 points, despite the fact that Nova shot 26% from three and attempted 53 pointers, and yet Syracuse couldn't grab a rebound. But JJ will end on happier notes, and I hope that you are playing some golf down there in Florida while you are down there in the Sunshine State. John Nostremski, the host of the New York, New York podcast for the Ringer Podcast Network, joining us here on the morning after. JJ, thanks so much for all the insight, New York sports and otherwise. Ben, my pleasure. Hitting the links tomorrow. Getting a little tan on today at the beach. But life is good. I love that. Thanks, love, Take care. Love, love the sound of that. Have a good one. Enjoy the rays down there in Florida. All right. Coming up next to end out our three hours today on the morning after on the grid, we are going to talk about our bye-bye-bye best bet for Thursday night football. The Minnesota Vikings, the Pittsburgh Steelers. We've been breaking down this game all day long where do i think the best value is tonight is it side is it total the vikings favored by three the over under total 43 and a hook or is it a prop stay with us for a couple more minutes to find out our bye 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 best bet that's next here on the grid sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com We round out three hours together on this Thursday on the morning after right here on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, the new home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM and all across the SportsGrid network. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. Before we say farewell, tonight begins week number 14 of the NFL regular season. 18 regular season weeks this year. The longest regular season in NFL history. We're entering the final month or so of this regular season where games mean that much more. And for both teams tonight, 
hopes of still being alive in the wild card races in the AFC for the Pittsburgh Steelers and the home team tonight, the Minnesota Vikings in the NFC. We will talk about Thursday night football before we say goodbye because it's time for bye bye bye. So the Vikings, a three-point favorite at home tonight. The over-under total, 43.5. Again, 11 of the last 13 NFL Thursday games have hit the under, but I still don't love that number. It has come down by a point and a half. I cannot figure out this side. So as I often do in handicapping NFL games, I still believe there are more edges to be had, although it's getting sharper and sharper as the weeks go on in the regular season in the prop market. And my focus tonight is the Pittsburgh wide receiver, Deontay Johnson. He is by far, and I mean by far, the most targeted receiver from Ben Roethlisberger. Deontay Johnson has been targeted 120 times this year. That is more than 48, more than the second closest, which is Chase Claypool at 72 targets this season. So we look at Deontay Johnson in his total receptions prop. It stands at six and a half, and grab it now because the over and the steam on that juice is growing and growing. Last night, it was normal. It was minus 113. Now it's minus 124. I would not be shocked if it continues to go that way. Why? Because Deontay Johnson has gone over this number in four of the four straight for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Last week, he had 11 targets. The week before, 14, 13, and 13 in the two weeks prior. That it is. Deontay Johnson over six and a half total receptions. The morning after is back tomorrow, 9 a.m. Eastern, right here on the grid. Are you one of us? We've just got one question. Do you like games? We do. Do you like winning? What a coincidence.